Welcome to NKS Talks. I'm Natalia and I'm a coach specialized in bulimia, binge eating and emotional eating recovery. I had bulimia for 10 plus years. I recovered and now I help others do the same. This podcast aims to help those who are going through or went through something similar, but also those who want to grow personally. You can look forward to specific episodes about eating disorders, but also interesting guests, because I'm basically interested in the whole world, from eating disorders and self-development to spirituality, sports, education and health. I help others find food and body freedom. So let's get into it. Welcome to another episode. Today I have a special guest with me. It's Eva from Dumb Death Diet on Instagram. She is a former athlete helping people stop obsessing over food and body and showing them how to reclaim back their life. It's someone who Eva also experienced an eating disorder and strange and negative relationship with food which you will hear all about in this episode and we'll be talking and covering topics such as negative body image eating disorders sports and pressure in sports that cause even young girls you know doubt themselves and doubt their bodies and basically yeah completely forget that we are growing women and not just some robots and kids and we'll be covering basically her journey her journey from Slovenia pro sport going to the US then Switzerland and now back home in Slovenia where she's cuddling her dog and auntie duties (laughs) and of course also um, being a full-time a full-time coach so I really enjoyed this episode it's a beautiful insight into Yet another story of a person who suffered with an eating disorder, what helped her overcome it. And what I think is interesting as well is that she's someone who overcame it by herself. She simply did not put her identity together with the eating disorder, which is something that is crucial in recovery and which is something I always do with my clients is building their identity outside of their eating disorders. Because if you have identity uh, completely, let's say, glued to your eating disorder, it's really hard to get rid of it. So you first need to break up with it. And because her identity did not revolve around it she was able to overcome it and also she wasn't suffering let's say for too long so yeah that's an interesting story of someone who overcame it and is now completely free and helping others to gain the same freedom and um, body acceptance that she has so I'll let you listen to this beautiful episode and I really hope that it will inspire you and help you to um, maybe take the next step in your recovery journey so definitely don't hesitate to reach out to Eva or to me um, whatever you're going through we're here for you and I really hope you'll enjoy this episode and don't forget to rate and review it share it with a friend uh, who might need to hear it as well or who might just find it you know inspirational and insightful when listening don't forget to tag us so i'll let you listen and enjoy 
Thank you so much again for awesome. coming uh, to this podcast and talking about your journey and what you've been through. And hopefully we'll be able to share uh, some maybe common experiences, but also tips and uh, tools uh, that might be helpful for others and basically just show that they're not the only ones, which oftentimes might uh, be the feeling with people in eating disorder that this is the, they are the only ones in this kind of scenario but there are so many of us who've been through it so thank you yeah. again for being here and if you can tell us uh, basically about your upbringing what was it like and I know that you lived in Switzerland now you moved back so what's your culture upbringing like what where did you grow up as a child so yeah get I want to just say thank you for having me like I know it's it's it took a while for us to get together, but now we're here. So thank <laughs> you for here. having me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm originally from Slovenia. Uh, I grew up here. Uh, basically, I stayed here until I was 18 years old. So and then um, I, so I did my high school and my schooling here. And then I moved to United States for college. Um, but yeah, basically, my what kind of how my whole thing with food or a challenging relationship with food started is I did um, a track and field from a very young age mm. and I'm super, super grateful for the sport. And, you know, it taught me so much, you know, discipline and, you know, persistence. And, you know, I got to experience such amazing places because of it and had so many amazing opportunities, you know, you going to the United States being one of them, but um, it did come with a lot of challenges um, mm. around food because it was always, there was there was always this expectation of looking a certain way especially me as a runner and as a jumper mm. um and as a sprinter being a certain way not having you know that fat on your body because it was deemed you know kind of it was deemed uh, to make you perform less uh less efficient uh, i would yeah. say and it was definitely you know a very very it was a lot of pressure on you know mm. a 13 year old or yeah. um you know even younger like I remember when I was I don't know if it was I was even 13 and I we were running on the stadium and one of the coaches you know said to me oh my goodness because well background all my families are like everybody in my family my mom my dad and my sister were runners too and hmm. so everybody knew us uh, on the stadium and one of the coaches said oh my god you are like the fat one in your family and you know saying that to you know a girl that you know wow. I, I haven't even gotten through pu I don't I think I haven't even gotten through puberty yet. that's how you know little I was and it mm. was just it was so scarring to me and it, it, I always was so self-conscious about you know my thighs because that was something that I would comment on so much and it, it was such an insecurity of mine for such a long time and you know I was always so annoyed even when I was little like I my mom would always joke and said you would always be annoyed that your thighs were rubbing would, would rub together and you know it, just growing up around that sport uh, even though I loved it and I loved competing mm -hmm. and I was very good at it it was super super challenging around my body image and around food because you know then we I hit puberty and it was just you know trying to kind of navigate the sport and, you know, trying not to gain too much weight during puberty, which we all know now is, you know, absolutely ridiculous because that's, you yeah. know, your body is going through and that. Especially for and women, like we are getting yeah. our periods. So come on. Like, yeah. And it was just, it was just a brutal, you know, place of just trying to kind of navigate the two and not being, mm. not being 
really know not really knowing how to do it and you know and then going on my first diet my freshman year in high school on you know I was not even 15 or just turned 15 and I had no idea what I was doing I was Mm. eating way too little on you know training two times a day you know high performance Mm. training and you know very intense stuff and you know, my body started to shut down. I started, you know, injuries started lining up. I had my knee injury, my back injury. It was just so much lining up. And, you know, I really couldn't sustain that lifestyle. And luckily I was still good enough to perform at the biggest championships. And, you know, I went to Europeans and worlds and youth Olympics and, you know, still was able to do all that. But, you know, looking back, I'm I'm like, oh my goodness, like how much more could have I, could I've done if, mm. that, if it wouldn't be for my challenging relationship with food and it was definitely you know for me like my I think you know, for a lot of clients my biggest challenge and my biggest my most challenging relationship was definitely with my mom and I know she was coming now I know she was coming from you know a place of love and a place of yeah. you know showing kind of reflecting her own insecurities and I, I think like a lot of parents kind of wanting the best for us but not doing it the right way and yeah. it was always you know little comments like oh we can't gain any more weight or mm. you know having this you know oh if you go over x amount of weight we should probably watch ourselves now and you know and I know she was doing this for you know yes yeah, so um so basically you know I know she was coming from a good place and you know but it really did damage you know our relationship plus my relationship with my food and body and mm. it did take me so long to kind of move past that and you know now realizing that this was something that you know she thought was best for me and um you know that I had and I think it's for a lot of people it's like that you know they have this some somebody or something that scars Mm -hmm. that relationship with their body and food and then they have to deal with that by themselves because a lot of times the person who does it doesn't really realize it that they're doing it or they they think they're helping they had anything to do with it exactly yeah and it's just yeah yeah. So yeah, and for me, my eating disorder really started a kind of spiraling out of control when I went to US uh, for college. So I still did sports, but you know, being by myself for the first time ever, and you know, living on campus, have unlimited food, and you know, training really hard and lifting weights for the first time in my life, I gained. You know, I don't know if you know the phrase "freshman 15." Like yeah. I gained a, a lot of weight, and actually, I've gained over that amount, but you know, for majority of it, it was muscles, but for me, it didn't matter, you know, even Mm. though I was in the best shape of my life, and I was strong, I was fast, you know, I was so, um, I was just in the best shape of my life, it just did not matter, because as soon as I saw that scale, like the number on the scale, I was mortified, because that, that voice of, oh, we can't go over this wave was still in my head, and it was just, Mm. I was just, it didn't matter how, you know, how far I threw, and how, how fast I ran or how good I felt in my body actually you know it didn't matter but you know everything that matters was you know was that number on that scale and that's where I really yeah and that's where I really started you know spiraling out of control I started binging and purging and you know going to extreme diets and that's the period where I stopped losing weight uh, started losing my period sorry and you know I did lose weight but it started it was fluctuated so much because it's not sustainable (laughs) and you know with training so intensively you know I did you know I at that time I swore by the low carb diet and 
it's just, it was just such a draining and anybody who has ever tried it, like knows how of a draining diet it is because you have no energy. And, but I, it was just, yeah, it was, yeah. Just, I, that's where it all started spiraling yeah. out of control. And yeah, it's just, that's yeah. kind of like a, my fast uh, overview. <laughs> fast track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's so interesting because I actually did not know that you were uh, in such a competitive sport and that you went through it. And as soon as you said, um, the trainer said this comment, a story that popped up in my head is, yeah, a lot of girls, you know, we go into different sports, just like boys, of course, but oftentimes we have um, male trainers too. And I was in tennis. I was uh, competing in tennis. And luckily, no one, not even my trainer, told me anything in that sport. But I know that for other people and for you, it's the same case. And it reminded me of this um, story of this Nike runner, a girl who actually there's some YouTube video about her where she talks about the toxic culture, even in Nike, how she was uh pushed into uh, losing more weight just like you said so that she's quicker so that she's faster so so that her performance is better but at that age it's so dangerous especially for us as women when we are growing into you know becoming a woman and getting our period so having male trainers who do not realize it and maybe fortunately now they they are more aware hopefully uh who do not realize it it can do so much harm and yeah and you also mentioned your relationship with your mom so I had something similar my mom wanted to you know because she always struggled with weight a little bit after kids and she always wanted to protect me and she thought she made nice comments uh such as oh you're so lucky because i've never had a belly like you and uh mm. you take after your grandma who is you know uh skinny and stuff like that and i thought oh okay so this is being good this is this yeah. is how i should be and basically you're telling me it's wrong if i'm any other way and of course it's a translation of kid's brain it doesn't mean she meant it but it can do a lot of harm so how did you um did you start or tried to actually deal with this before your eating disorder spiraled meaning did you talk to someone even about the comments of your trainer or did you how did you try to deal with uh, even the relationship with your mom at the time Well, the thing is, I think it's so interesting, like what you mentioned with, you know, that toxic culture because uh, of sports and, you know, trying to, you know, push you harder. And you actually think that this is a completely normal behavior mm. and, you know, you take it on yourself and you're always, you know, you're always feeling bad and guilty for having that appetite because you know that, <laughs> or you think that, you know, that, that, that not consuming that food or, you know, losing that weight will actually help you with the performance. So you're kind of just like blindly following, yeah. you know, the, the trainers and the coaches, because you think they know best and you, you trust them fully. And, you know, mm. that can be such a beautiful relationship, but if it's a toxic one and if the person yeah. doesn't have your best intentions at heart, or if they, you know, if might, they might have the best intentions for you, professionally in a sport hmm. but not for you as a person um yeah. it, it definitely can spiral out of control really quickly so I didn't actually really realize it until hmm. you know kind of kind of removing myself out of the sport I had to um 
I had to back out of um, track and field uh, at the end of my college career because I couldn't mm. I couldn't go pro because of my mental health. So um, kind of removing myself from the situation, it actually helped me realize how toxic it was yeah. and how bad, you know, it influenced mm. my body image and my relationship with yeah. food. And, you know, some people are more sensitive to uh to the mm. you know to the comments or you know what people uh, tell tell them or you know just opinions of others and it also I think depends on who tells it to you and how big of respect you have for them yeah. um and it's just such an such a such a important and such a it can be a very tricky uh tricky one because like you said also with my mom you know I, you know, obviously, you know, you listen to your parents, you, you know, you mm. kind of worship your parents until, yeah. you know, in, until in high school, I started realizing with my mom that it was not the best behavior. I didn't like the comments, but, you know, at the time, like all I could do, you know, I was a teenager. So all I could yeah. do was rebel. And I was just, you know, a pain in and a pain in the A so yeah. you know it's, that's how kind of how I showed my frustration and my you know misunderstanding and just my need my needs not being met so that was mm. basically you know how how yeah. I dealt with it yeah 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 and I, until and you I get the tools with... to truly deal with it later and as you said it's like you're in this toxic bubble and you don't realize it because even what I say to my clients is that Oftentimes we believe every single thought we are we have in our head. And if we are consumed with our eating disorder, that's our reality. But once we step out of it, when we change yeah. our identity, um, or it's like even with you know politics, what news you read, if you or a country you live in, a culture or city or town, whatever you surround yourself with and you're in this bubble, that's your reality. But once you step out of it, you realize, oh wait, people actually have different beliefs and thoughts as well so as you stepped out of your you know uh competitive uh training and that kind of culture that's when your brain started noticing probably different patterns in the world as well so yeah when was actually the point where you realized okay I really have a problem I need to do something about it and what did you do Yeah, so I mean, it's actually really interesting. I kind of, kind of going from what you said, I think it's also really empowering or can be disempowering the, the people that we surround ourselves with. Like you said, if you surround yourself with people that actually encourage that belief of yours and actually tell you, you know, everything that you know you already have, you are already insecure about. It's you know, it's so much harder to get out of that space. So for me, actually, it's really interesting. I kind of have to, I had to say that before. It for me, it really started when I broke up with my very toxic boyfriend in college, mm. and started kind of seeing as somebody somebody else um, that you know that was actually really healthy for me, and that he was that you know pulled out of the bubble that mm. you know I needed, and I don't want to you know put 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 other people other people like in power with that but I think that could definitely be a really good reflection and tool for you to to see kind of yeah. kind of be a reflection of what you need to not I don't want to say fix but what you need to you know maybe work on and what yeah. you know you might not be the most compassionate towards yourself uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know and basically like with me it was after I kind of stopped my I decided to stop my you know track and field career and that was one of the ways of pulling me out of that toxic bubble and then my relationship uh, mm. a very toxic relationship came to an end and I still was in the dieting but I wasn't you know I, for luckily for me I've never 
became like my, my bulimia was never fully developed um so I was basically able to get out of it you know by myself which I'm actually really extremely lucky about I think wow, I was yeah. just so it's for me like I've done it you know for a couple of months and then I was like oh my god like I need to like I need to stop so mm. it's luckily for me it never developed to a full uh, bulimia um but you know I definitely had bulimic episodes and you know purging and binging and extreme dieting um for me was definitely one of the three biggest ones so after I kind of had that breakthrough of like oh my god I need to stop I still I stopped the bit the 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 purging but I've never stopped the dieting so I still had yeah. this desire of like trying to look a certain way I still thought that was like the healthy thing to do and um I still was know going through on all kinds of diets tried everything and um it was really one of those I don't know if you ever heard of them but like they're they're called like challenges where they give money to people that lose the most amount of weight or they have the most progress and I was probably in one of like like a fifth one or that I've been on and I was like in the middle of it and I was just like is this really how it's going to be? Like, I literally, like, I, I was like, I, I thought to myself and I was like, is this literally how it's going to be for the rest of my life? Mm. Like, yes, I got over the bulimic episodes, but do I really want to be just dieting and not enjoying myself and just, you know, excessive exercising and just only focus on that? And it was just like a little voice in my head. And I was, you know, it's just, it was just, I was just like, no, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And um, I just and it was such a weird and I think a lot of people can relate that, that they were struggling with that perfectionist mentality I was like mm. okay but this one this last challenge I'll do and then I stop so yeah. I, for luckily for a lot of people they actually don't stop but for me it was kind of like that perfectionism okay I need to finish one because I've never finished one before and then I'll stop and I'm so glad I did I after that I stopped and I was mm. like okay but what now? So, um, and at the same time, I think it's just, it was such a big sign. Uh, the, I, I came across the fuck it diet by, uh, Caroline Dooner. And I was like, okay, like I need to try this, like maybe this will work for me. And that's kind of how like the shift happened. And, you know, it was such a, you know, for me, I am so grateful for this shift. Like it didn't, it was, it doesn't sound like anything. It sounds too easy to be true. And I'm so grateful for that mind mindset shift. Um, but yeah. yeah, that was basically my story and how, you know, obviously I wasn't like, boom, I'm healed, but it was yeah, definitely it's a like process what? still. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow. That's powerful. What do you say? Because actually not a lot of people can get out of it, but maybe what I kind of see there as a pattern is that you being so determined and disciplined with, you know, even your uh, workouts before, and being perfectionist actually so many people with eating disorders are perfectionists but how it manifests is more like oh I overate a little bit or I ate this meal which is not perfect so I might as well go all in and then they have binge uh, episode however for you it sounds more like okay I will have the discipline to you know uh, stop this behavior because I don't want it in my life and it seems like you did not develop such a strong relationship with it because many people um, have have it as a friend, have it as a their safety net, and uh, yeah, cannot really get out of it on their own. I thought that I would manage it uh, myself, uh, that I would heal as well because I was like, well, Natalia, you're not dumb. Like you're really smart and you're doing well in school and everything in life, but 
why can't you stop doing this? For me, what I needed to actually do is to have some accountability and actually a person who mm. looked at it more um, objectively and from a distance because there were so many issues I needed to work on. It was food, you know, it was basically like, uh, yeah, all or nothing mindset, perfectionism and realization that I'm living life of someone else for someone else, not for myself. So I, once I recovered, I was like, wow, okay, this is my reality. So actually I needed at the end yeah. help, but, uh, as you say, you found this fucking diet, which sounds amazing. And as a little gateway to probably like intuitive eating that you're now into so once you discover this diet what were the key mindset shifts that you uh, experienced and that were crucial for actually healing your relationship with food and yourself yeah I think I love, I love how you said you know like with the support and accountability I was lucky enough as I kind of mentioned already that I got in a very healthy relationship mm. and you know, and with, he was kind of my accountability. He was kind of like that shoulder to lean on uh, because I was, you know, I was in no financial situation. If I'm looking, like, I'm looking back now, like, I was like, oh, I wish I would have a coach. I feel like it would have gone so much quicker and just, oh, yeah. you know, it, it would be <laughs> such a, you know, nourishing and a wonderful experience. Like you said, like having somebody to support you and know what you've been through and, you know, be there to be to be accounted for but sadly I like a lot of I think a lot of young um mm. you know students or young professionals that didn't have the resources um and I think that's why these podcasts are such an amazing way of you know kind of having that um like from a distance support and an alternative yeah. so uh but yeah so uh for me like the, I think the biggest mindset shift was just giving myself permission just permission mm. to be permission to take space permission to you know, have, enjoy myself, basically, to feel good, because I think in today's society, we're so, even in general, we're so consumed about, you know, we need to struggle to get what we want, you know, no pain, no gain, yeah. you know, all these things. And I think for me, really allowing myself to feel good and actually have the foods that I enjoy was such a big mindset shift because I never, you know, I would do everything for everyone else, but I never allow myself to feel good. So um, that was definitely one of the biggest ones um, yeah. that, you know, just kind of shift for me. And I remember the first couple of months, or I think it was like the first month I, you know, and I, I think it's such a, a like kind of a weird or like a, a weird one because you're like, oh, I want to get rid of binging. And then you give yourself permission. And then for the first month, all I did was binge because yeah. my body was like, oh my God, like I can finally have this. Yeah. And a lot I of people think food. that, okay, that's a bit, you know, that makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's a lot of people are like, oh, that makes no sense. But I want to stop binging. Why am I binging now? And it's mm. like, it's exactly that permission that you gave your body. And you know, reestablishing that, that relationship and trusting mm. each other again. And, yeah. you know, having that for me, it was like the little addictments. I don't know if you had like the little marshmallow <laughs> different chocolate. It was just that like full on out. And then suddenly like, like slow, I would eat like boxes and boxes. And then I would slowly just kind of go from, you know, one box, half a box. And, you know, slowly just, oh, yeah. I don't really want it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Because I established that relationship and that trust with my body. And, you know, it doesn't just happen. Like we just, we have to look at it, you know, if 
you know, we get in a fight and, you know, you do something to me, like it takes a while to regain that trust. And it's the same with, you know, our bodies, we have been, you know, abusing and, you know, denying our body the you know, to feel good and to the neutral or even the, you know, the essential nutrients. And now it takes that, like the body is taking back the power and you're letting it. So it's a beautiful, you know, re reconnection. I I absolutely, that was like one of the biggest ones for me. Yeah. No, the reconnection to the body is amazing. And as you said, on what you described with the food and, you know, eating two boxes, I always say you cannot expect your body to, you know, know perfectly when it's hungry, know perfectly when it's full, when ever since childhood, basically, oftentimes we are said, well, eat five more spoons or eat more of this. But you as a child, Mm. you know when you're full and through dieting and restriction and over-exercising, we lose this connection to the body. And what you described is, I call this with my clients, the honeymoon phase with the foods, because when we are reintroducing Mm. slowly the fear foods or, you know, fear foods, forbidden foods or foods that you usually binge on, I always say, don't expect that on the first day of incorporating this food, you'll know how much to eat. It might happen that if you eat, you know, chocolate, that you'll eat this big bar of chocolate or several bars of chocolate. But after a while, your body will be like, "Mm, I've had enough. It's okay. Or maybe I don't even need it today. And that's what slowly, slowly happens. For some foods, it's quicker. For some foods, it's faster. And oftentimes we even realize that, oh, I don't actually like this food. I bitched on it, but I don't even like it or it doesn't do me well. And that's how you, you Mm. know, when you really trust the process when you get to know your body then you actually will discover what makes you feel good and it's so beautiful and slowing down for me it was even yoga because I was always you know running and adrenaline and competitive once I started slowing down I started noticing actually for the first time how I how I was feeling and noticing that oh you're tired maybe you should rest uh, so yeah the reconnection yeah. of the body that you mentioned is is beautiful so ever since then you then uh, embarked on this uh, let's say journey of probably helping others when was this switch or realization that you want to help others um, with uh, similar problems you had I started a while ago and um, I you know when I been healing and have been on that journey and you know it's I was so inspired by other women and what they were sharing you know on social media you know primarily Instagram for me and you know I could relate to them so well and I you know I just I was I was so inspired that I you know I at the time I was in childcare you know I just I just realized that that's not the path I wanted to take um but it did you know it, t- it took a while for me to kind of take that leap and try to you know mm. and get the courage I feel like a lot of you know as a lot of us starting our own businesses but um I launched it actually it's fairly new I've launched it I, even though I had my you know bachelor's in psychology for like I think like four years now mm-hmm. I, I have I only launched my business uh in February so yeah um, so I, it, took it took me four me, years to launch took... mine too it's so funny yeah. because I was like well <laughs> I want to help others but you know this is the safety uh job I should have and yeah it's just yes trusting trusting yourself again and taking the leap of faith yeah <laughs> yeah and I think it's so important because you know with eating disorders and like being so consumed around food for me 
for the longest time, as soon, like as long as I was in dieting, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Like exactly. it was just kind of like a fog because yeah. nothing else mattered. Like all I, all that yeah. mattered was me manipulating my body, looking a certain mm. way. And I had no time to focus on anything else or energy at that point, yeah. you know? And, you know, when, once I started, finally started embarking on that intuitive eating journey I think it started clearing out and I, like my path and my purpose started kind of showing it to itself like more and more and there were little signs where you know I would be like oh maybe I could do that and but you yeah. know you never then it's as you know the fear creeps in and mm-hmm. um you know all these different things but um it's definitely you know just letting go of the diets and yeah. just the obsession of, of you know and I know it's easier said than done but it's such a you know it clears your head so much and it, it actually does. kind of just kind of propels you towards your true purpose and towards something that yeah. you're actually meant to doing because you're not meant to just count calories your whole life and you know maintain your body figure yeah. that you had when you were 15 years old and that's usually what we strive for you know exactly. before we even develop as women so yeah. yeah yeah no that's so true because what I experienced uh, as I said before as well when I recovered all of a sudden I realized wow what is my life who am I and I realized that um from the kid who wanted to be with animals and wanted to save the planet and help people, mm-hmm. I embarked on a completely different journey journey because of, you know, other people's expectations or uh, patterns that I created in my head and what I saw in my family and, you know, watching movies, whatever. Um, and as you said, I did not have time to think about anything else. I was just blindly living. And this is what many of my clients experience. And that's the reality that sets in once you stop thinking about food that much. Oftentimes they start, we start actually talking about, well, Natalia, I'm not that actually like happy in my job. And I have these other like, you know, feelings that I should go here. So we start exploring this or they realize something about their relationships. And yeah, I call it this the dark magic, which is it might be tough because recovering from an eating disorder does not mean your life will be happy and that all of a sudden without it you're happy what might happen for many is you might actually go into a deep deep sadness and confusion about your life and that's the dark magic but if you really don't escape it anymore and you're in it you can discover your authentic self and that's that's beautiful and start living your purpose which um, is also one of the reasons why I in my coaching incorporated this a lot because actually when I recovered, uh, I did not have this, let's say, self-authentic discovery in my coaching. I had to do it on my own. So, and Mm -hmm. I was really in deep, deep mm, S, H, you know what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Spirals. So um, yeah, that's why I find it so important to talk about it because I think there is this misconception that once you recover, all of a sudden you'll be happy and your life will be perfect, but it might not be. We are still humans and we actually have to deal with the cues and triggers that we reacted to with food with different ways Mm -hmm. and actually face it. Yeah, I love how you mentioned that because 
Yeah, because I'm sorry to like this. Yeah, I love how you mentioned that because a lot of times it's not like actually about food. It's about, you know, yeah. either like you said, like a trigger from your childhood or relationship mm. or, you know, your job. And, you know, we use the food to kind of deal with it, whether it's the emotions or, you know, the situation that you're not happy in or, exactly. you know, whatever that might be showing up for you. And I always say, you know, food should be a tool to, you know, fuel your dreams, not a weapon to destroy them so I and it's just so important to you know realize you know the underlying issues that you know come when we have that challenging relationship with food exactly and actually start noticing what is going on and it can be emotions a lot of people you know escape from emotions it can be situations it can be thoughts you know uh, and it can be people it can be stress it's so many things and For many, it manifests with food. For many, it manifests with some uh, behaviors. You know, they can be angry people or with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with everything. Oftentimes we consider those normal, but the underlying issue can be be very similar to those with eating disorder. Yeah. Now, when uh, you're having your business, uh, what would you say that... uh, actually helped you or what do you find the most helpful for for your clients what are like the key let's say ingredients or topics that really need to be worked on so that actually people find food and body freedom yeah I mean I think one of the main ones is definitely you know just helping them feel good about themselves again on uh, helping them feel good around food. Um, I think, you know, I've worked with so many different people, you know, some people just want to improve their relationship, you know, because it's, you know, they're binging or emotionally. Some people, you know, want to actually lose weight. And, you know, I don't, I never turn away weight loss clients because of that reason, because a lot of times there's an underlying issue. You yeah. don't actually want to lose weight. You just want to feel good in some area of your life and let's figure out what it is so you know it's yeah. it's I, I work with so many diverse clients and yeah. I think I would say like one major like if I could like pull something from all like each area I would say to m- help them make you know, feel good about themselves and find mm. you know find what what drives them what fuels them and what you know yeah you know in food or in life exactly help them feel mm-hmm. good yeah 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 no that's beautiful and what you said about the weight it's I have this module that I do with clients on um you know uh, body image weight etc and I always ask them and one of the questions there is uh what does your ideal weight actually look like in terms of how do you feel how you are what you do what you allow yourself how you dress etc because it's never about the number and usually what we find out it's well once I have this weight I'll be you know going out more and I'll be uh, more confident in my clothes and I'll be going to do this activity and I'm then I'm like, okay, so let's start doing those activities regardless of the weight because it's not about the weight. It's about the feeling and we can get it even without the weight. And it's okay, of course, to have some aesthetic goals and want to look a certain way. We are all humans, you know, so we might have preferences. But if you hate yourself uh, at your highest weight, you will hate hate yourself at your lowest weight as well. So yeah, that's that's so important. Yeah, for sure. 
But yeah, I love how you said, like, if you hate yourself at your highest, you hate yourself at your lowest, because you can't come for, to the place of self-love from, you know, from hate. Like, you can't hate your body into loving it. Like, it just, it's just complete opposite. And I think that's what a lot of people on diets are trying to do is trying to, you know, love their body by abusing yeah. it, by over-exercising it, by not nourishing it at yeah. all. Uh, and yeah, like, that that was such a powerful thing that you said and I just wanted to kind of add on to that because it's so so important yeah thank you yeah I it's for me it's like when I imagine it oftentimes people think that oh once I have even like you know if we would be talking about careers and money once I have this salary I'll be happy but you realize you're happy and satisfied for some time but the underlying issue isn't that. And I always think about this quote that Jim Carrey said, and I'll probably um, misquote him, but he said something in a sense that I wish everyone could become as famous and as rich as they dream of and want only to realize that that's not what makes them happy. And it's the same with weight. It's the same with weight. Yeah, it's the same for so many things. Yeah, that's, it's just, it's it's so inspiring and so crazy to see like like you said like some some people it kind of shows up as anger or drinking or drugs Mm. or sex or porn or whatever it is but you know at the same time we're all you know having the same struggles or you know just coming from different areas and expressing them in different ways so you know definitely compassion and you know understanding what is actually the underlying issue is so 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 important and such key yeah yeah it is it is I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> so um, do you have any, let's say, daily rituals or must-dos for you to feel mentally and physically good that you learned along uh, your recovery journey? So at the moment for my food, not really. I've, I have gotten to the place where I'm actually super just confident in my food choices and my body and being you know my true authentic self but definitely you know there are always going to be things to work on you know like for my business you know pushing myself forward Mm. you know it's definitely you know reminding myself every single time to feel good and keep redefining those thoughts because I don't know if you have ever noticed you know once we kind of heal the relationship with food something else pops up so it's always there's always something it's so tiring sometimes I'm like why again I think like is this going to be like this until until I'm buried or what (laughs) yeah exactly and yeah for me I I, I try to kind of embody what I teach is always you know prioritizing feeling good and feeling you know trying to find something that's joyful in every day and for me gratitude is such a big Mm. one Uh, it like instantly switches my my energy and it kind of gives me like a warm hug of even like the day is just absolute mess you know that oh you're all right there's always things to be you know grateful Grateful for there's always things that are going right yeah and one of the recent ones that I started doing is I found it in one of the uh, the book from I don't know what her name is but like the book is called Super Attractor mm-hmm. and I I've been going through like a couple of tough weeks and I kind of couldn't kind of pick myself up and it's she just found like she just mentioned like the best tool and I think a lot of people can use it it's it's called choose again so whenever mm-hmm. you're having like the limited belief or the thought that you know it's coming you know coming up for you you know write it down or just acknowledge it 
and thank it and just, you know, and thank it and allow it to feel you to make you feel whatever it makes you feel like, and, and just, you know, give yourself a big hug of compassion that, you know, you are feeling this way. And then, and then say, you know what, thank you for bringing this up. This is not how I want to feel. Instead, I choose, and you choose another thought that, you know, is something that will make you feel good, something that will help you kind of move through the other thought that you've been thinking. And for me, it has been such a powerful, I've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, and it's been such a powerful shift. And yeah, yeah, go like really, and that's, that's why I love uh, saying like, I want to embody what I teach, because like, in the past weeks, it was such a struggle to kind of myself back up. And you know, it really did help me and trying to get, you know, back to, you know, my joyful self. Mm. And yeah, Yeah. definitely, I would definitely recommend the book. I (laughs) yeah, that practice is so, so powerful. It sounds so simple, but it's just absolutely like, it's just, it it does. No, it's powerful because it's basically how you reframe kind of um, mindset and thoughts, uh, you know, and uh, it's funny you say that you've had tough uh, past two weeks because for me it was the same and I saw someone today posting about it like is anyone else feeling like these past two weeks something <laughs> is happening with the energy and the universe and I'm like ah, I'm not alone thank you and for me it's the same it's uh, yeah. also what I tell my clients it's you know we'll always have ups and downs and when we are feeling down Um, it's not about trying to change it and turn it around in 180, you know, sometimes it's not possible, but just acknowledge that it's there and take it as a neutral offering. And just like you said, look at the thought and I call this like the, um, uh, thought neutrality I look at the thought as if it was not mine and I'm just like huh it's so interesting that this is coming back or that I'm thinking this way and do I actually Mm -hmm. believe it or feel it or want to feel it and what else can I tell myself and it does not have to be a complete shift into 180 but at least something neutral or you know whether it means I'll bring on gratitude affirmation or just rationalize the thought just acknowledging not running away from it because we can't is super super helpful and yeah the book sounds amazing definitely going to get it I'm such a bookworm (laughs) (laughs) I know yeah me too (laughs) for sure and I love like how you said with um uh with uh you know kind of saying you know you don't have to switch to 180 because like if I have like the you know a thought like oh my god I hate my body today If you're yeah. going to tell yourself, no, 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 I actually love my body. That's so unrealistic. You can't go, so you know, like you said, 180, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how about we start, you know, okay, I tolerate my body today. And, you yeah. know, switching it with a thought that does feel better. It doesn't yeah. have that strong, you know, yeah. negativity in it. Like you yeah. said, neutralizing it. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, it's definitely having that, you know, realistic expectation of how long it's going to take to make that switch exactly and this reminds me of what I always tell my clients is that probably I don't know any human yet I'd like to discover who loves every single part of themselves we are human at the end of the day and it's like you said I hate my body today okay but what do you hate and um even when we are working on body image and accepting our bodies with my clients, I always say, well, you might hate your thighs, 
but it's 5% of your body. What else can you like? And what can you tell yourself about that? And it's unrealistic expectation that might be put on us or misunderstood through, I don't know, body positivity or whatever movement that we have to love ourselves and all of it. And if you don't love all of it, it's wrong and you still have issues. No, we're humans and it's okay not to love certain parts, but we can at least tolerate it and respect ourselves. And what's key then is to have more things that you appreciate that you love. So I always want to have the cup with negativity smaller than the cup with positivity and appreciation for the body. And I think, yeah, just realizing that it's actually unrealistic that we will be Uh, you know, loving every single inch inch of ourselves, because at the end of the day, we are humans, we see other people, we are, you know, uh, we see magazines or people on social media, that's just the culture we are in, and it's normal, and it's actually human to compare as well, and just acknowledging that, okay, I might not like this, but I can still tell myself uh, and say so many other things I'm grateful for and that I appreciate about my my body and just yeah setting the expectations uh, more realistically than uh, some super high standards Uh, yeah that's that's super key yeah yeah and I love that you said that because I think a lot of times also when we look at ourselves we only see like we hyper focus on the things that we don't like Mm -hmm. and when we actually step step back and we're kind of seeing okay like yeah you hate your arm but what is there like you said like Mm -hmm. what is there that you actually like like you said you're this is only like what 5 percent like of your body Uh like what else is there that you like and like the same thing with you know all these you know body positivity movements there and all bodies are good bodies movements that's such an incredible or our bodies are beautiful sorry like that's such an incredible movement and it does so much for so many but it's still focused on the appearance and you know if we can move away from that and you know oh like and move away from oh I need to feel beautiful at times how about just I need to like just feel good or I need to just be human yeah yeah just be human all the time you know and whether that's you know yeah it's completely fine you know one day you'll feel ugly one day you'll feel beautiful one day you'll be messy sleepy pretty you know adorable whatever it is like embrace it all not just you know the societal except like this the the parts that society accepts so yeah. yeah just the outside yeah I, I always rather focus on okay but how is your energy how do you feel do you yeah. f- what do you feel like doing today um yeah how does your head feels and more on the internal internal rather yeah. than the external all the time because it can be toxic even if it's meant uh, with good intentions there are extremes in yeah. both, both ways a lot of times also like we do feel like we say bad externally it actually like mm-hmm. it actually will tell us that something might be going on internally because for me sometimes like especially now I was going through like a really tough breakup and I was I, I still kind of got these thoughts of like oh maybe I should you know lose weight and then I was mm-hmm. like okay what mm-hmm. what is this actually telling me and it was telling me you know I need more compassion toward myself I need yeah. more love in my life so and that's what I started you know kind of pulling from you know I I would call my sister and you know give my nephew a hug and Mm. you know having that you know doing something that actually will will 
fuels that need instead of just oh I just need I need I need to lose weight because I'm single now and I'm unlovable unlovable yeah. so you know it can sometimes you know external like when we feel bad externally it can be such a good indicator of okay maybe there's something else going on yeah kind of digging deeper exactly and oftentimes yeah. old you know patterns and thoughts come up uh, again and we're like oh I thought I'm over this but it's just an indicator of yeah. um, you know a habit that you had once in your head and those automatic thoughts are sometimes easier for the brain than just dealing with you know the pain of a breakup or pain of not feeling good and yeah it takes more effort for the brain to actually uh, refocus the energy on something else but it's always more worth it than indulging in those toxic thoughts and beliefs yes for sure yeah amazing so uh with your coaching uh i saw that you're launching some uh program so what's in store on, for you now what are you working on so yeah i just started launch or i'm gonna launch uh, on september 1st my first self-paced program it's called the intuitive body academy uh so i realize a lot of my you know clients or potential clients or just members in my community don't have the financial resources um to afford one-on-one coaching and that was one of my reasons that was one of the reasons i started you know i was in the same position as they were so yeah. i'm creating something uh, for them where they can go through it alone and at a very affordable price and have that little a piece of me as their coach and like with them every time um so yeah I will be creating this program with like 10 different modules on body acceptance and intuitive eating and just help them through them uh, through it on their journey and help to accept themselves and um find find just peace with their with their body and the food so I'm super Beautiful. excited for it yeah, because I've been working exciting. on it for so yeah. long so I know <laughs> I know what you're what you're going through because I'm working on my uh, online program as well and yeah it's uh, it's a lot of hard work but when yeah I know the feeling that you want to help more people but you know it's either the price or you just have you know, we cannot blow up the days. We only have certain hours yeah. in a day where where we work and we need to take care of ourselves as well. So yeah, those programs are amazing uh, way to help others. And it sounds amazing. So everyone should definitely check it out on the 1st of September <laughs> if they want to yeah, yeah, improve their relationship <laughs> with themselves and their body. Amazing. So <laughs> before we go into quick fire, which is like the last section of, uh, of the, of the episode and, uh, what I do with, uh, with people, is there anything else you'd like to share or you feel like you didn't have a chance to say anything, uh, what do you have on your mind and heart? Ah, no, it's, it's the only thing I want to say is, you know, if you are listening and, you know, going through that struggle um, of, you know, finding that peace with your body or food or both, um, just, you know, know that, you know, we're there for you, even if it's maybe just through Instagram or through podcasts. And, you know, I, for me, like you can always reach out to me and I know for you, it's probably the same, yeah, and, same. you know, find that community, find, find somebody that, you know, will be you know because a lot of times that we don't have proper support systems at home so yeah. know that you know finding a community like that is 
so, so important and so key in your recovery. Um, yeah. You know, and you're never, you know, it, you're, you're always worthy to, you know, seek help and find that support. So I just wanted to yeah. say that that yeah. was just kind of called for me to mm. say. So Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so, so important not to feel alone because oftentimes people can also lose, you know, friendships or don't feel even like they have a authentic friends and through eating disorders and because their mindset is so skewed around uh, their self-worth they surround themselves with the wrong people so then it might feel like they don't have friends and uh, yeah I found some of my best friends after basically uh, recovering and realizing who I am and going to things that brought me joy and really doing the activities that fed my soul and also in community of people who experience eating disorder so that can be a wonderful way and definitely don't ever hesitate to reach out because yeah people like um like us are there for you and we know what you're going through so definitely reach out great so let's go into quick fire so um, (laughs) it doesn't have to be quick but (laughs) (laughs) what one uh thing ritual or habit can any one of us incorporate in their day so that they feel better health-wise both physically and mentally i i would say find one thing a day that you enjoy doing um Mm. whether it's just grabbing a quick cup of coffee from a coffee shop you love or you know doing a quick you know whatever like however big or small you want to make it or buy yourself you know those flowers that you always wanted or go for a run that you know you never found time to do so do one thing a day that really brings you joy whatever that might be big or small yeah it doesn't matter yeah I love it just honor that inner child and that joy within you yeah yeah and as you said it doesn't have to be big sometimes it might be you know indulging on a um some fancy massage but sometimes it can be just making a tea and sitting with it so yeah just find joy in whatever that means for you (laughs) beautiful what is one book podcast or source of information that changed your life or recently really inspired you Definitely the book Super Attractor. I know I, I know her name is Gabrielle, but I'm not sure about the last name. But it's it's such a good book. I'm reading it right now, and it's just it's literally like while you're reading it, it just brings so much positivity in your mm. life, and it's just oh my god, I, I know I ha- who you're talking about, Gabrielle Bernstein. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Oh my god, yeah. yeah, yeah. She has so much. She's big on manifestation and. And all of these yeah. things I listened to one of her books maybe even super attractor now I don't know yeah well it makes so much sense you love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, she's so great. that's definitely grab that book it yeah, is yeah. life-changing yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she also does uh, I think podcasts or she's big on social media so yeah she has quite inspirational quotes and yeah I love her I love her she's amazing yeah and her story is awesome. so cool too so inspiring mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Um, what is one subject or topic that you would uh, suggest schools to have in their curriculum? Oh, how to? Well, I, I definitely I think it's a it's a bit broader that like I feel like I would I should have gone with the diet culture, but I think it comes from like all how to deal with fear. Mm. I feel like a lot of times, like as a society, we're just 
you know, we're just taught that, you know, we just have to make these decisions out of fear rather than, you know, out of love and, you know, how to deal with that fear. Because I think also, you know, eating disorders and a lot of struggles that we have, you know, anxiety, eating disorders, you know, alcoholism, a lot of stuff does come from fear and frustration and not knowing how to deal with that. And it just gets overwhelming. And, you know, how to deal with fear is definitely like one of, I think one of the biggest ones that stops people from doing and being the best version of themselves. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. Beautiful. And we need more life tools in schools for kids, not just the the topics yeah. that we you know I remember when I was at school I thought wow everything is so important I need to know everything well I use maybe five percent of what I was taught at school and I'm like exactly they didn't teach me how to do taxes they didn't teach me this and this and mindfulness and yeah it's so it's so crazy that's exactly, a good, good one yeah. to include Okay, what are three things, rituals or activities that you cannot go a day without? Um, well, now I'm home, so definitely petting the dog because I <laughs> love my sister's dog and I currently live with my sister and I just, we are just like, I just oh cuddle him God. all the time. <laughs> um, so that's definitely, and it just gives me, it's just calm. It's just pure so love. Much. It's just it's pure just, love. Oh my God, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and then the second time is definitely gratitude um Mm -hmm. you know having that that ritual of you know just thanking just finding what I'm grateful for in a day after every day is just such a such a beautiful way of kind of kind of just just closing the day and um just winding down for bed for me is just is such key and um then the, the third one would definitely be just calming myself down I've been So like I said, with the, with this past couple of weeks, I've been so like ongoing. I was just like, go, go, go. And so overwhelmed. And, and just I, in the last couple of you know days, I just realized how important it is to go mm. back to my morning routine of meditation and affirmation, journaling, um, just to slow down before I start my day and not go, go straight on my phone, which I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. And it has been just like one of the worst weeks in the year. Um, yeah. So, Yeah, just kind of slowing down and realizing how much that morning routine actually holds for you and how important it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm completely the same. And I noticed that when I feel bad, it's what that's usually when I grab my phone the first thing in the morning and I'm like, stop doing that. You know, there's correlation. Go back to your meditation and breath work and it always helps. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Another one um, before the last one. So we have two more questions. What would your younger self tell your present self? So not the other way around as people are used to, but what would younger self tell Mm -hmm. your present self? It's actually really interesting that you asked that question because I had this, like I said, like a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago when I was still kind of struggling and couldn't, or a couple of weeks ago was now, Um, and I was talking to my sister, I said, I wish I could be like my younger self. Like I was just so fierce. I was like, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I did it. Like nobody else could um, just tell me no. Like, for example, like if I would have like try to get to like a big competition, you had to get an entry set. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to run this fast. Like I'm going to throw this far. Like, you know, it was, there was just no like doubt in my head. And I think when you get older, you get all these, you know, conditioning and fear and, you know, people pleasing in your head. And 
Mm. I just, you know, and that's where I try to live. Like now that like the past couple, yeah. when I kind of snapped out of it and shift my focus, um, kind of lived like my yeah. younger self, but just yeah. like go for it <laughs> and see what happens. So it's so interesting that you asked that. Wow. <laughs> see, universe. <laughs> so your younger <laughs> self would basically be telling you, just go for it. Just do it. Just what, yeah. what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. amazing I love that yeah I love that um what brings you and the last one is what brings you the most joy in the past days months what's just what brings you the most joy definitely the pup like right now I think he like it's been like I've been home for a month and I'm just like can I take the puppy (laughs) and my new nephew I just got I just got a new nephew like two weeks ago so congratulations thank you so definitely these two little bum little bum bums now I call them bum bums (laughs) I love it I love it yeah no animals and kids they're just pure love and kids like little kids especially you just see how pure they are there's no conditioning yet and yeah they just want love and it's it's amazing I have younger brother and when he hugs me well now he's seven but when he hugs me you just feel like oh wow it's just it doesn't have to be so complicated life doesn't have to be so complicated (laughs) yeah beautiful yeah and that's why I love working Yeah, that's what I love when I worked with children. It was just like, they just like, it was just pure love, like you said. And it was just, they just didn't care and didn't worry mm. about, you know, what people think think of them. And it's just, they're just being themselves. And it's yeah. just so inspiring to see. And there's so much to learn from them. Definitely, definitely. And learn from our <laughs> younger self too. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. So thank you so much. And where can everyone find you and connect with you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I ha- I absolutely love this conversation. Me too. I, we I could go for hours. But yes, I mainly hang out on Instagram. Um, I go as Dump That Diet, um, and my website is dumpthatdiet.com. So usually, I'm I'm mainly on Instagram. So if you yeah. want to chat or just need support or any, you know, just get introduce yourself and get to know me and I get to know you. I'd love to get to know my community. So just pop me a DM and we can chat. So yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I'll definitely share the links below. Beautiful. So thank you so much again. And thank you everyone for listening. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye.